This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Nora Flaherty. Sometimes you just feel like a little peace, a little quiet, but then you remember something. You live in New York City, and quiet, it's not happening anytime soon. Between the honking horns, the construction, the guy on the bus testing out his new ringtone, and the people walking by your window yelling into their cell phones, a quiet day probably isn't in the cards. Today on Fordham Conversations, we are talking about New York noise. In a little while, we'll hear what intrepid producer Liz Brocklin found out about New York noise we love and hate, and about the noise that we love to hate, when she ventured out to Central Park on the first really warm day of the year. But first, I myself also ventured out this week to one tiny part of New York City that is about as quiet as it gets. Last year, noise was in the news quite a bit as New York City passed a controversial new noise code that, among other things, regulated the playing of the iconic Mr. Softy song. Arlene Bronsaft is a strong advocate for the tightening of noise regulations, and she is also known as the noise lady because of the part her research has played in the creation of the city's noise code. Bronsaft is an environmental psychologist, and she's a professor emeritus at CUNY. She spoke recently as part of the Urban Studies Lecture Series at Fordham, but we spoke in her Upper East Side apartment. Arlene Bronseth, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you for asking me. So first of all, Arlene, what is the big problem with noise? The big problem with noise is that people are inconsiderate of others. I'm going to put aside the aircraft noise, the traffic noise, the noise of construction, which is typical of New York City, but people are rude. Uh, If a person has noise in the home, very often it's a noise caused by an upstairs neighbor, a next-door neighbor. If the person uh, is complaining about the music coming from a loud car, that's because the youngster didn't keep the level of the sound down. To live in a civilized society, you must recognize that other people have rights too. So that if we could educate people to be a little more considerate of others, I think we would cut down a lot of the noises, particularly neighbor noises. If the Traffic noise could be decreased. Uh, We don't need all that car honking. I mean, you you see the car stopped in front of you because there's another car stopped in front of that car. Do we really have to uh, honk the horn? Uh, Do we really have to make all the sounds that we do? I, I, I think not. So if you ask me really what typifies the increase in noise overwhelmingly, particularly in urban communities, I really think it's other people. Now, it's true with crowded conditions and more people, you do have more noises, but I think if people recognized that other people had had rights as well as they did, I think we'd have less noise. Now, let me ask you, I think noise in some way is sort of like uh, that famous definition of uh, pornography, where you know it when you see it. What makes noise noise as opposed to sound? When a person feels it's unwelcomed, unwanted, upsetting, disturbing, sound is sound. That's what we measure. We measure sound. For sound to be identified as noise to a listener, that has to be cognitively interpreted as an intrusion. Very often you hear the expression, one person's music is another person's noise. To some extent, that would be correct, uh, because the youngster who's listening to his loud uh, iPod, even on the train, you can hear the person's iPod when the person's sitting next to you, and you find that's intrusive. To that person, it's music. But I, I think it becomes noise when the listener 
interprets it as something that's unwanted, that's intrusive, that's bothersome, and then it becomes noise. And that could be the dripping of a faucet. So we're not talking decibel levels here. We're not talking loud. Dripping of a faucet as you're trying to go to sleep can be very bothersome. So sound is something we measure. Noise is something that's cognitively interpreted as a sound that is unwelcome to the listener. That would seem to raise a whole host of problems since we're all sorts of different people living on top of each other in this city. How do you determine what's noise and what sound in an, obje- in an objective way? Sometimes you can't do it objectively. If my neighbor's listening to her television set too loudly, I don't think I can call the Department of Environmental Protection to come in and limit that. So in that area, I can't do anything. In fact, the noise code does not cover neighbor noise, which is a major problem in this city. I, I, I understand that that person wants to listen to it loudly. The key word is reasonable. Is my request a reasonable one when I ask her when she leaves at 6 a.m. on her bare floors to put on her shoes when she exits the apartment as opposed to walking around with the high heels in the bedroom while she's getting dressed? Is my request reasonable? And that's what I often ask people when they complain to me about noises. Is the request reasonable? And I think if you stopped and talked to people and said, you know, that music that you're listening to can be heard by everybody else on the block. Is that necessary? And I think if you stopped and said, no, it's really music that I want to hear, I think then the issue of reasonableness would be a very good measure. Now, do we in the noise code have actual decibel levels that we use to determine whether the sound is louder than it should be? Yes, because if I complained about noise in this apartment, I would have to look and see if whether the noise is louder than the ambient. Now, you said the ambient was pretty low here. So if it were three or four decibels louder, then that really is an intrusion because three decibels, I can hear the difference. So I I think that in some cases we have to use measurements. I mean, that's only reasonable. But in many cases, we could go by the fact that this is really an intrusion. So in New York City, what are the really major noise problems? Well, the noise of neighbors is a major problem. Interestingly enough, the New York Noise Code does not cover neighbor noise. Construction noise, and that's going to be an even bigger problem in the city of New York. Living near a a bar or a restaurant will also cause a number of problems, uh, and people will call up because of that. Traffic noises, particularly if you live in busy intersections, but definitely a problem in New York City. Is there a difference in New Yorkers' mind between, you know, good noise and bad noise? I don't think New Yorkers are going to complain when the children shout at the Macy's Day Parade. I don't think New Yorkers will really be upset if Yankee Stadium or Shea Stadium has lots of shouts. That means our teams are doing well. And on, on New Year's Eve, when that ball falls, we like those shouts. Those, those are wonderful shouts. I don't think we're going to complain for the most part about children laughing, you know, uh, in playgrounds, except if you live very close to a playground, it just might go on a little too long. We know what the good sounds are. New York is a vibrant, exciting city. Part of its vibrance and excitement does rest with its sounds. I, I don't think the noise code or any code 
wants to change New York City into a sleepy town. I think we're going to have the hustle and bustle of people walking down the streets. That makes for the vibrancy of the city. And I think New Yorkers are very tolerant of that. And I think New Yorkers are even more tolerant than I would think they should be when they ride in a, a noisy subway car or when they hear you know, the honking of horns as they're walking down the street. Where New Yorkers want the sound to be really lessened is in their homes. There we're like any resident of a small town. When I come home in the evening after I've traveled on the buses and subways and walked the streets and listened to all the sounds that make it New York, when I close the door of my home, I want that quiet. And that's really what New Yorkers are saying. They don't want to hear the construction sounds in their home. They would rather not hear the drilling on a Saturday or Sunday or in the evening, and sometimes the code allows for you know exceptional cases when there is a catastrophe, as there was with the situation of the crane, and you may have noises trying to clean up that mess. But what New Yorkers really want is in their home, they would like to have some peace and quiet. And I think that's very reasonable. And I think if the code can lessen the other sounds on the outside so that even when we walk down the streets, it's less noisy than it is now, but it's never going to disappear, then I think we, we have done the right thing. So that people should not think of the code or any regulations as trying to change New York into sleepy town, USA. New York's vibrancy will still be preserved. Let me ask you, you are a uh, longtime New Yorker. Is noise in New York getting worse? Yes, noise in New York is getting worse. There's no question about that. Uh, one of the tests uh, I, I can point to was uh, carried out by the League for the Heart of Hearing. Uh, what they did is they looked at the hearing of older people uh, in the 1980s and then 10 years later and then 10 years later. And what they found, if you look at the hearing ability of older people, that as the years passed, the hearing losses were greater. Older people were hearing less well, if you can use that word, or there was some hearing loss in the older population, people over 50. And they believed that noise was the factor. So that if you use the tests that the League for the Heart of Hearing used by examining hearing loss amongst older people and seeing that the people in 96 had a poorer hearing ability than people of comparable age in 86, then you would say it's probably the noise. And I think, yes, I think the noise has increased. But we didn't have iPods, you know, years ago. Uh, the boom boxes have disappeared. Notice that. that was a there was a time where people were hysterical about the boom boxes. But we have the stereos in cars that are, and, and the youngsters are, you know, ripping through certain neighborhoods and making it more difficult for people to enjoy their television in the evening, their re book reading in the evening. So we didn't have that then. Uh, amplification was not the same. You couldn't hold a concert uh, 30 years ago and impose the kind of sound that you can now. So in terms of technology, we didn't have as many airplanes. 
and the smaller airports didn't have as many airplanes. So if you look at technology, yes, technology has increased the noise level. But that doesn't mean that we didn't have noise in the days of the Romans. Of course we did. Uh, we, ha- we have had noise around for a long time. Personally, I, I have found people not as considerate. That's the one area that I, as a long-term New Yorker, found that there's been a change. Good manners, good behavior, I don't see that today as I, as I did. Maybe it's because I've grown older and uh, I'm more conscious of it now. But I, I really feel that that has also changed because I, I think we're not as civilized as we once were. I, don't, I think all children should be taught to lessen the sound level when other people are being affected by it. That isn't a difficult thing to teach. I don't think we're doing that. I don't think manners and good behavior uh, are as prevalent today as when I was growing up in this city. So on an objective scale, the decibel level has probably increased because technology has contributed significantly to that. On the other hand, I also feel it's been increased because people are just not as considerate of others as they should be. You are listening to Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. We are talking this morning with Arlene Bronsaft about noise in New York City and how it affects New Yorkers. In a few minutes, we'll hear from some New Yorkers and some visitors to New York about what they think about the city's decibel level. But first, let's hear the rest of my conversation with Arlene Bronsaft. Now, does noise have effects beyond just being annoying for people? Oh, yes. Uh, My research uh, on the effects of noise on children's learning dates back, oh, it's going to really age me, uh, dates back to the middle 1970s, in which I looked at a school adjacent to the noisy elevated trains and the classrooms adjacent to the noisy elevated trains, and there, the classroom was disrupted by the train going by every four minutes, and about 11% of classroom teaching time actually was lost because the teacher had to stop teaching. I looked at their reading scores and then compared it, them to the reading scores of the children on the quiet side of the building. And by the sixth grade, the children were one year behind in reading, and that's really significant. And then something miraculous happened. The principal and I were able to get the New York City Board of Education to put acoustical ceilings in the classrooms of the children adjacent to the tracks. We also got the Transit Authority to test out rubber-resilient pads, which lessen the noise level of the trains adjacent to the school, and they tested it out on the track adjacent to Public School 98. That lessened the level, and the noise decreased by about six to eight decibels. And then I was asked to go back to the school to see if it had an effect. And I did go back to the school, and I looked at the reading scores before the two noise abatement treatments were put into effect, and the children were still a year behind in reading. And then I looked at the reading scores when the rooms were quieter on the noisier side, and the children were reading at the same level. That was a very important study. About 25 or 30 studies subsequently have... Uh, confirmed those results. So we know that children's learning can be impeded in a classroom, whether it's near a railroad track, uh, whether it's in the path of aircraft. We also know that children reared in a noisy household 
and this is a caution to parents, cut down the sound a bit, because Ted Wax looked at children's cognitive development and language development in noisy households, very much the noise made by the parents, uh, you know, doing things in the household that increase the sound level, TVs on very loud, radio, whatever, and he found the children's language development was somewhat impeded in their cognitive development. So in the area of learning, the research is excellent. Children need some quieter areas in which to study and learn. Now, as far as health, in the United States, we have not done the research. The research has come out mainly from Europe. And the research is getting stronger and stronger that noise does have cardiovascular effects, that hypertension can be the result of continuous exposure. That's not just one sound, but continuous exposure to noise. Noise, we know, disrupts sleep, and sleep is important to keep the body in a healthy condition. So if you look at the cardiovascular, the sleep, you will see that noise is detrimental and people's health is really at stake. But the key thing to remember is also the quality of life. You may not yet show it in your cardiovascular scores, but if you can't read, if you can't study, if you can't watch television and converse, because the planes are coming in every two or three minutes, you may not yet be sick. But is that a decent quality of life? Do you want to be able to live in a household where you can just read without interruption, or do you want one that every time the plane goes by, it is disrupted? I mean, tell you, I've done research in this area for over 30 years. My daughter, I told you, lives in Queens. And I thought I knew quite a bit about the research in this area, and I know about the cardiovascular disorders and the sleep and the learning. And then my daughter had a child two years ago, a little over two years ago. This past summer, he was about a year and a half, and he's playing on the deck in his backyard. Every time a plane came over, it disrupted his behavior. He stopped whatever he was doing. Now, this was just a child that was 18, 19 months old. It stopped him from his play continuously, and I watched this. And then a a month later, I had the opportunity to watch a baby that was trying to fall asleep with the planes coming over every minute and a half, and she couldn't fall asleep. Every time she closed her eyes, the plane awakened her until she was finally so exhausted she did fall asleep. So here my grandson and this baby taught me far more than I expected I would be learning at this stage in the game where I've been involved in this research for over 30 years. Noise is disruptive. It diminishes quality of life. Yes, my daughter lives in Queens. She has a lovely backyard. She has a deck, but we eat the food that my son-in-law prepares outside in the house with the doors closed and the windows down. Is that the way to live? Shouldn't we be able to enjoy the outdoors? Shouldn't we be able to read or study or converse? Or do we have to live in a household as a woman in Staten Island who gets the noise from Newark Airport does when she calls me from her closet? Should she be making phone calls from a closet? So it's the diminished quality of life that may have the wear and tear in the long run. Good health is not merely the absence of particular symptoms that can be identified. Good health, decent health, 
also means a decent quality of life. So we shouldn't say that the research hasn't strongly attached noise to particular illnesses, though it's moving in that direction. But in 1969, the former Surgeon General in the United States said, must we wait to link noise to particular symptoms? Don't we know enough to warn people about the dangers? Isn't it um, unbelievable that over 40 years, about 40 years ago, we in the United States came out with literature quoting the former Surgeon General, and today the FAA doesn't believe that noise affects people's health. Some people might say that, you know, if you don't like too much noise, you might be better off living in a city other than New York or maybe in a smaller and less crowded place, you know, sort of a love it or leave it thing. How would you respond to that? They don't get all the emails I get every day. I get a lot of emails from people who live in small towns. You don't know who's going to move in next door to you. You can live in a small town. You could be a farmer on a farm, and all of a sudden a factory moves in next door. You can live in a small town, and next door are these two teenagers that have a motorcycle and decide to run around in circles in front of their home. You don't know when a motorsport park may be opening in your town, as I have a case now in New Zealand. In New Zealand, they're worried about the motorsport uh, park opening in their town, and this is a small town of 3,500 people. You know what I found? That many of my cases in which I serve as an expert witness comes from a small town. You don't know who's going to move in next door, so that when the woman who interviewed me for a magazine and said she lives in a quiet, small town in Texas, called me up two months later and said, I have a noise complaint for you. So what I, I'm saying to people that if they moved into quiet areas, they don't know what's going to happen. They, the school that, of a case that I have had you know, recently was in a relatively quiet area when a dog pound where they were going to house dogs, uh, up to 100 dogs, each day was opening up. How do you think the people who ran that school felt? So what I'm saying to people who think, well, we'll find a smaller town, you don't know where you're go- what's going to happen when you move to the smaller town. Maybe quiet now, but it won't be. And I don't think you should give up New York because I think New York has so many pluses that the thing that you should do if you're a New Yorker is say, I will help to lessen the din to keep the vibrant sounds of the city continue, but at the same time provide quieter times for people who live in the city. Well, I'll ask you one more question, and I'll close with this. What can we do to make our lives uh, quieter and less annoyingly noisy? Start with yourself, first of all. I would like to warn people that use iPods to lessen the sound level. I mean, you're hurting your own ears. Uh, so, I, and I, I'll give this advice to kids who go play video games at video arcades. I mean, you know, be careful because you are going to lose some of your hearing. When you're 14, 15, 16, you don't think about it. But when you're 40, you're going to be sorry about it. So I think people should start with themselves. I think you should lower the sound level of your radios, your television sets. I think you should bring some quiet into your lives because we've talked about noise. But quiet is not just good for the head and the body. And I'm not a religious person, 
but I think it's good for the soul too. So think in terms of quiet times in your life. And when you bring in those quiet times, you are going to feel better. So start with yourself. Also, you start being considerate of other people. Am I playing the TV too loudly so the person downstairs hears it? Am I walking uh, on bare floors at unreasonable times of the night? I think people should take responsibility for their behavior. So if you really care about living in a civilized society, start with yourself. But now, on the other hand, if it's other people, know that you do have rights. You go to your managing agent if you're living in a building with a, a tenant above that is not following the rules and regulations and keeping her floor covered as she should. Don't be shy. Go to your council person if there's an establishment in your building that's too loud or if an air conditioning unit has been placed on a building and it's in interrupting your sleep and your, your health, essentially. Speak to your council person. Go to your community boards. Go to the police department. These people have to enforce rules and regulations. Do not get into arguments with your fellow shareholders or your fellow tenants, and that I've seen happen. I, I don't, if you can talk to the person and the person seems reasonable, fine. But if you see there's no reasonableness there, know that you have these rights and your public officials are there to serve you. If you're living in a building, do ask the landlord to notify people that sounds are disruptive. Uh, some major building complexes have done that. They've passed around notes and said, uh, keep sounds down. Become an activist. Don't just go home and cry about it or get upset or, you know, say, what can I do? Then learned helplessness will set in and you'll just sit back and expose your body to all these unreasonable sounds. So I would urge everyone to take care of yourself first because that's the easiest. You should be able to do that. Uh, work with your neighbors also as a group if you find there's a problem in the building. Go to your public officials have them enforce the rules and regulations. Don't be shy. Speak out. Not that loudly, though, but speak out. And you, I think we can lessen the din in this city, and I think we'll all be happier and healthier for it. Well, Arlene Bronsaf, thanks so much for talking okay. to me. I thank you. This is Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. A little later this morning, it's Cityscape with George Bodarkey. On today's show, a panel discussion on the effects of drunk driving. That's ahead at 7.30. But first, after talking to Arlene Bronsaft, we were curious about whether people who live in the city and tourists in it thought the city was horribly noisy or merely stimulating. Producer Liz Brocklin went to one of the city's quieter spots, Central Park, to find out. My name's Bob Dow. I live right here on 67th Street. Uh, Amy? Uh, 37. I'm a history professor and I live in Manhattan. Uh, my name's Jill Malloy. I'm age 44. I'm a drama teacher from Cheshire, England. Woo! <laughs> I'm Alyssa Bereznak. I'm 19. I'm from San Diego and I'm a student at UCSD. Uh, my name's Al Carpenter. I'm 51. I recently lost a job. I was working on Madison Avenue. So now I'm trying this pedicab, which is uh, interesting, to put, to, put it to least. <laughs> What do you think of the sound levels in New York? 
Uh, well, it's a loud city, and it's always going to be loud. And that, if you want, if you want quiet, move to the country. What's your least favorite sound here? Probably the uh, the sirens when the police cars go. That kind of hurts my ears. It's very loud uh, because of what we just heard, the sirens, the fire engines, and mostly those new police surges that are supposed to protect us all, which tend to wake up children. What do you think about the noise levels in New York City? What? <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, the best thing that could happen is if they could start to cut back on uh, horns in the city and uh, maybe uh, airlines flying overhead, as you could hear. What's your least favorite noise that you hear here? Least favorite is probably sirens. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Sound like a cat, huh? <laughs> What's your favorite noise that you hear here? Uh, probably birds. Yeah, it's nice to listen to birds every once in a while. Cars honking are pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, probably anything in the park, like the playgrounds, people having a good time. That's good noise. That's good quality of life noise. Do you think that the sound levels contribute to or detract from the personality of the city? Probably detract. I love the noise levels in New York because it makes me feel like I'm in New York being alive. I suppose if you lived here, it would drive you a bit nuts, but because I'm a tourist and I, I like it, well, it's cool for me, but I suppose if you lived here, it could get on top of you. There's certainly reasons to have noise, but there's, you know, there's a lot of excessive sirens again. There's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of unnecessary noise. From WFUV, this has been Fordham Conversations. If you missed part of the show or you'd like to hear it again, Fordham Conversations is available as a podcast at WFUV.org. It's also in our audio archive, which is also at WFUV.org. If you have comments or questions about today's show, you can email us. Our address is Fordham Conversations at WFUV.org, and we would, of course, love to hear from you. I'm Nora Flaherty. Cityscape is next. Thanks for listening and have a fabulous weekend. This is WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org.